Hey, welcome to the Town Hall Academy, episode 144. You know, some states have passed laws to the legal status of cannabis and medical marijuana, and some have decriminalized it, too. Now, today's Academy panel took on this very, very difficult topic on drug testing in the new age of legalized cannabis and how you protect your business, people, and clients. Employers need to take steps to train their supervisors that when an employee says something like, I'm using medical marijuana, the supervisor needs to know to bring that to management's attention and not to say things to other workers like, hey, did you hear that Joe's using weed? Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey friends, Carm Capriato, so glad to welcome you to Academy, episode 144. And boy, I am so honored to bring you podcasts like the Town Hall Academy, Remarkable Results Radio, and the newest aftermarket sensation for the record. So many exciting venues that bring you aftermarket trends and insights. If it's important, we talk about it here. Hey, give me just 30 seconds to thank the sponsors of the Academy. Did you ever wonder the number one reason to purchase a Jasper quality remanufactured product? Well, it's their people. A Jasper associate is dedicated to high quality customer service, committed to excellence, professional, and has pride of ownership as part of a 100% associate owned company. More information for you at jasperengines.com. If you haven't thought about your management software this year, it's probably time. Shopware Shop Management is transforming the way shops like yours do business. They give you tools to increase your sales while delighting your customers. Go to shop-ware.com for all the details and welcome Shopware to the Academy. And don't forget, these sponsors provide free access to the Academy each week, so remember them. Hey, find the talking points and my guests' bios at remarkableresults.biz slash A144. And any links to their previous episodes are also there. Lots going on on the website. You know, we're talking drug testing right here, right now, in the new age of legalized cannabis. You know, you've got to pay attention to your HR policies and procedures as states continue to rule on medical cannabis, recreational marijuana, and the decriminalization of pot. Now, as drug testing is something shop owners do, what are the guidelines now with states legalizing cannabis? What about an accident on a test drive? What type of tests are required? Now, don't be the first to have an accident or an incident and not have the proper policy or procedures in place. So, question, have you talked to your legal counsel, liability insurance, or workman's comp carriers? Interesting thought there. Hmm. Hey, the panel does their best to sort this out and provide you plenty, plenty to consider. I'm with shop owners Judy Zimmerman-Walter and Frank Scandura, and also attorney Noah Frank. Boy, sensitive, interesting topic today. With us is Judy Zimmerman-Walter from Zimmerman's Automotive, Mechanicsburg, PA. Hello, Judy. Hi, Tom. Good to have you here. Noah Frank Esquire from Smith Munson LLC in Chicago, our attorney of resident. Good morning, Carm. How are you today? Good to have you here, Noah. Thank you. And Frank Scandor from Frank's European, Las Vegas, Nevada. Very hot 
subject, and I am by no means an expert. Um, I think the closest person we have that is interpreting and understanding the law with clients is Noah, and so we really value your perspective here, Noah. And I do know Judy has had a, a very interesting situation on medical marijuana in her place. And Frank, you've got the crazy laws in Nevada to talk to us about, and and I think what we're trying to do is to help our industry understand what's going on with policy and drug testing in the in the age of legalized cannabis. So, uh, no, I want to give you the first question to start this out. Are companies really having a tough time adopting to cannabis in the workplace? So, yeah, companies are, are facing a lot of pressure here. Uh, marijuana remains unlawful on a federal level, but some states have legalized it either from a medical perspective, a recreational perspective, or they have decriminalized it, saying, meaning that they're treating possession of small amounts of cannabis no differently than a parking ticket. So they're not treating it like a crime as it is under federal law, which puts pressure on companies to figure out what are we going to do for our general workforce? What are we going to do for our safety-sensitive positions? What do we do with our DOT uh, safety-sensitive positions? How do we handle this? Uh, and it's, it's really causing a lot of concern because the states treat it differently depending on uh, on where you are, which means that if you are in more than one state, you might have more than one law to follow. So interesting. Uh, Frank, Judy, uh, did you have to make any changes to your policy manual because of the changes uh, in your state? I have not at this point, because um, I always did, I always did pre-employment drug testing I'm looking at possibly adding random drug testing. The expense is pretty high. One of the things that is um, in my my business especially is, is to make sure that I'm not breaking rules, laws that aren't even completely written yet because the attitude in Pennsylvania is let's legalize medical marijuana and work with it from there. Make the laws as we go, which is really harsh for me. You got laws on the books. They're about ready to make to change them. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> wow, interesting. Our governor has said that he will legalize marijuana completely by the end of his term, and he's not. He doesn't run out in twenty. I think he runs out in twenty-one. Noah, is this political by any chance? Oh, not it. Not in the least bit. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny to hear. Uh, people that are criticizing it one way or another. Um, a lot of people who like to criticize uh, the cannabis like to say, well, it's a cash grab. It's a, it's a new tax stream. And they might, be, they might be right. It is a good way for uh, the governments to obtain you know, tax revenues. On the other hand, we might see uh, you know, real strain on business, whether that ranges from an increased incidence of workers' comp claims uh, we might see a strain on law enforcement where we might see an increased incidence on impaired driving. And of course, we might see problems with, uh, you know, impairment in the workplace causing decreased productivity. So, you know, is this politically motivated? Absolutely. Um, but the question is, what, what drove it? Um, you know, maybe this gets too far afield. In Illinois, when the Medical Act came online, the chief sponsor, Lou Lang, had been very anti-cannabis for years and years and years. 
what changed was Lou had a family member who had some severe debilitating medical condition uh, who was using medical cannabis. And all of a sudden, you know, real life then dictated policy and, and he became a supporter of it. And when the medical bill finally passed, he said, look, this isn't the bill that I want. It's the bill that I could get passed. And there was a lot of trailing legislation. Illinois' uh, current passed rec bill, which is effective January 1st, has some real problems. So Judy mentioned pre-employment testing. Uh, Illinois' law would make that uh, probably impermissible because the, the recreational bill has modified our right to privacy in the Workplace Act, and it makes use of a state lawful product lawful. And pre-employment, you don't have any reasonable suspicion that somebody was using it. I'm sure Frank can tell us that Nevada also has a very restrictive bill on applicant testing. And it's, it's becoming a very politicized issue where we don't know which way the legislatures, legislators are going to go and how it will change from one session to the next. Let's bring the uh, Frank perspective in here. Yeah, so um, you're correct. It, it is restrictive. I uh, cannot deny employment based on a pre-employment drug test. And I have to be very careful. We all have to be very careful on our drug testing policy. And here's what you really need to be careful of. Your policy needs to be very, very specific. For example, I have a policy that says after uh, an accident, mandatory drug test. Well, what's an accident? Slip and fall. Yeah, that would be I got hurt. Bumped into somebody's toolbox, maybe. Um, so, you know, I get with my insurance company and they give me a bunch of documents. One of them says accidents that include any of the following will result in a drug and or alcohol test, a fatality, an injury that requires medical attention away from the scene, an injury that requires loss in work, non-injury accident that causes damage to company property. So if you're not specific, you're in trouble. <clears throat> and, and I got to tell you, I don't know about you guys, I wouldn't want my dentist or my doctor or my plumber, or my HVAC technician under the influence working on me or in my home. I certainly don't want any of my technicians working on anybody's car under the influence. So we're really put into this box. Uh, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit, you know, the economic impact and things like that. <clears throat> I can tell you there's a lot more under the influence accidents in, uh, in Nevada, in Las Vegas, that are marijuana-related. So there's the difficulty in those, you know, well, if I'm allowed to use it, how much am I allowed to use? How much am I allowed to have? So we see some of that in the background. The crime related to this industry hasn't changed. All that's changed is access. I talk to business owners who have dispensaries near their business, and they say, you wouldn't believe how many times people are congregating around the business, smoking marijuana in public, which is illegal. And it's not the average mom or dad going in there getting a little recreational marijuana to have some on the weekend when their friends come over for dinner. These are the same people who are drug users who now have easier access. So they've opened up an interesting door, uh, Pandora's box, let's call it, into this market. <clears throat> Frank, have you seen a uh, change that business owners have had to implement uh, because of Nevada's applicant testing restrictions? Um, are they changing what substances they test for, or are they eliminating pre-hire uh, testing entirely? How are they handling this? 
So that's interesting you say that because most people are ignorant to the law, including my own insurance company. I called my insurance agent earlier this week to prepare for this meeting. He goes, what do you mean Nevada says you can't discriminate against the pre, uh, pre-employment drug test? What do you mean? And he didn't even know. So that's my agent. And then I reached out to my workers' comp company. And I said, listen, you know, I know I have a drug policy in place, but what am I doing about these new laws? He goes, oh, no, no, you can pre-screen them for drugs. I said, okay, now you don't know, and you're supposed to be my go-to guy. Then they gave me a list of um, the test for it. And here's what's different. It has to be a blood test now because urine is not being considered as accurate anymore. So now you need the employee's permission to draw blood. And I've got a little chart. I don't know if, it, you know, I couldn't name half of these, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't pronounce them correctly, but, you know, uh, amphetamines, cocaine, cocaine, metabolite, heroin, heroin, metabolite, a bunch of other stuff, marijuana is included in that. So where they have very specific amounts that they're looking for and whether it's a urine or blood test. So, so here's my takeaway at this current moment, you know, 14 minutes in, we, we work on people's cars that require that we make them safe and reliable because they rely on us to, 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 to make it right. How many times do we have to test drive that vehicle? And I guess what I would like to know from all of you is if, can I drive a vehicle under the influence of either medical marijuana or recreational marijuana if I smoke something at lunch and come back? And if I can't terminate because of this or I'm at risk, to, you know, you, you brought up insurance company. This seems to be so gray. Here I am, a shop owner, and I, and I, and I need a resolution. I need to know what to do. Am I crazy to think this, this, this deep? I think it's, it's pretty clear under every state's law that I've seen, which is that no law will protect use, possession, consumption, uh, or impairment in the workplace. So whether that's recreational or medical. Now, how you test for it, how you get there is different. But, but to answer your, your question, Carm, zero, zero impairment to test drive that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I, and so I can't, but I still can't test, I can't do drug tests, even though that's, that, that's a requirement for us. Is that what you're really saying? I mean, that's, there's a dichotomy there. Well, it's a, it's a state by state issue, mm-hmm. which is, which makes it interesting. Um, and for multi-state employers, you've really got to know what the laws are in your specific jurisdiction. And, you know, the best advice I can give you is, you know, educate yourself on your state or state's law in relation to to cannabis, and then become intimate with your counsel. If you don't have counsel, it's time to get some. You know, you need to know so that you are doing this properly, so you don't run into a situation where you are discriminating against somebody who is a medical user. And to be clear, medical user means that somebody has some sort of underlying condition, a medical condition that likely qualifies as a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act or possibly their state and local laws. So while the federal ADA will never protect uh, use of an impairing substance, it will protect that underlying disability. So uh, can you test? That's going to depend on the state's laws. In Indiana, pre-hire, 
random, reasonable suspicion, those tests, post-accident, those tests are all still fully available to the employer. And they should take advantage of them when necessary. In a medical jurisdiction, medical-only jurisdiction, you better be prepared to deal with reasonable suspicion and understanding that what you think is impairment at work could be the sign of an underlying disability. And if so, you need to be prepared to go through that interactive process to figure out whether and how to, to, to accommodate that person. It doesn't mean letting them use it at work or be impaired at work, but how do you accommodate a disability? You're, we are allowed to test, but here's my caution and here's what I can't even get a straight answer. Whatever your policy is, as the business owner, you better be following your drug policy. If, if, you're, if I have a right to do random drug testing in our handbook, uh, I have a reasonable suspicion uh, right to test, and I also have accident clause. <clears throat> so uh, one thing we don't do is consistent random testing. And here's one thing that has stopped me from just doing it is because it's got to be random. I can't say, I want you to go, I want you to go. So I need a mechanism in place. How is it actually going to be random? And understanding that random means somebody may get picked twice in a row, right? If it's random. So uh, those are things that are very important. And a note to shop owners who have a uh, hard mentality of coach shops that partied at their shops. They have smoked pot and drank beer on the premises after hours. If that's you, you're setting the stage to open yourself up to enormous liabilities. So make sure that you're running a business like a professional. Don't, Got it. don't take any chances. This is, here, here's what I see. It, it's, it becomes a discrimination thing, I think. So we have to be very careful that it does not appear we're discriminating against somebody because of their drug use. Because that opens up yet another layer of liability, right? Well, you know, he's just paid on me, and then he sent me test and now we fired me and now I want 10 bazillion dollars. Uh, so we, it's got to be very careful. That's the most reasonable plaintiff's demand I've ever heard. Judy, would you uh, chime in and share um, the, um, the issue that you had? I think it would be very important for our industry to hear it. In September of 16, a very a good employee of mine, top, AC, top ASC certified tech, had a very bad motorcycle accident off hours. He was out of, out of employed for seven months. We held his job. He really wanted to come back. He did come back. He came back part-time for a little bit. He came back. Um, um, eventually, he decided he was going to go full-time, so he did, but he could never produce. He was a tech that produced 80 to 100 hours every two weeks, and he never got back above 60 for two weeks. And he was in visible pain as in, I could see it in his face. I've had some pain from arthritis. So, you know, you almost, you get to learn that you can see it. He, long story short, he came to me about three months in probably last spring and said, I'm, I, I'm taking medical marijuana because my options are opioids or medical marijuana for the pain that I'm in. He made the decision to go medical marijuana. Not that he had to ask me, but I felt it was nice that he told me. He was honest. He brought in what he had and everything to show dosages and, I mean, show strengths and that kind of thing. 
I did a lot of research. The first call I made was from my insurance carrier. I said, and I have a I have a, a large shop plus I have a used car dealership. So my insurance is a little bit more complex perhaps than some. Long story short, I asked them, I said, I want no names in this, but what would you do? And the first comment to me was, well, we're pretty sure we think we would pay any claim you had if something happened. And I said, I probably said this too quick, but I said out of my mouth right away, it was, wow, now I can sleep at night. <laughs> and that was the, the whole way through. I spoke with uh, professionals, my attorney. He really didn't have anybody that was um, specialty in drugs. So he actually spoke with someone that specialized a little more in medical marijuana. And I spoke with legislators. I spoke with local police. I spoke with state police. Um, I could get no one that really could give me a flat answer what I should do. We finally laid him off because basically his performance just wasn't what, with the pay rate we were paying him, I couldn't afford to keep him anymore. So we laid him off. But it was a painful, it was very painful. Um, lost a lot of sleep, lost a lot of a lot of everything. And I lost respect to my guy, other guys in the shop because they, they were angry at me at first. Realize. Obviously, I hear the words performance. I get that. Uh-huh. But you also couldn't get any straight answers from anyone if you had no. a liability. No, I did not. I could not. And I'm talking at a shop where where um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the owners. There's three of us that own the company. And looking at liabilities, uh, if I lose a license... Um, immediately I'm, I'm done. I, I lose 29 people, lose their jobs, including me. So it was hard to know what to do, but nobody could give me a straight answer. You touched sure. on something that was, that's really important, which is the lack of information that flows to other workers and their feeling of, I don't know, betrayal by you, especially, especially for medical cannabis, mm-hmm. you know, it's important that employers and management and supervisors understand the confidential nature of this because mm-hmm. there's an underlying medical issue. And that really means that employers need to take steps to train their supervisors that when an employee says something like, I'm using medical marijuana, the supervisor needs to know to bring that to management's attention and not to say things to other workers like, hey, did you hear that Joe's using weed? Because it's not just the fact that he's using something for medical purposes. It's, hey, now we all know that Joe has arthritis or cancer or epilepsy or some some condition that is an underlying medical condition. And that's that's really, really important for them to know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to Frank's uh, perspective of, you know, we don't want to draw a discrimination or retaliation or leave interference or some other type of very expensive employment claim on the employee's way out the door. Hey, Carm here. And I bet you think of your shop management system every day and wonder if it's time to make an important change, a change to a modern, efficient and powerful system. Now, instead of thinking about your old system, I want you to consider shopware a comprehensive cloud-powered shop management system that gives your customers an end-to-end digital experience that will help you sell more services while making your customers happier. And who doesn't want happier customers? In a study of work orders written and shared on Shopware, sharing the digital work order with your customer generated 
a 12% increase in their likelihood to buy. Now, that translates to additional sales in your business. And with Shopware's proprietary parts GP optimizer, you can boost your parts margin with the click of a button and leave behind the pain of managing an old parts matrix. Put solid gross margin dollars back in your business because Shopware puts huge computing power into making you successful. Now it's time. Make the switch to Shopware. Get a free live demonstration at shop-ware.com and find out how you can make more money from happier customers. Parm here with Adam Christmas, customer service group leader here at Jasper Engines. Hi. Hi, Carm. So many customers that I know that buy Jasper say that you've got the best customer service department in the industry. The customer is the most important part of our business. Without the customer the production, the sales, none of it really matters. You have to treat your customers like they're family, like they're the most important part of your business because they are. Trying to match wits with a customer isn't going to get you anywhere. You're there to help them. They're there to help you. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, A lot of companies forget that the customer's the entire reason for their business. Does your team here understand that the customer that you're talking to actually is trying to solve one of their customers' problems? We make sure that our technicians understand that the vast majority of customers calling in are trying to get another customer on the road. And we have to make sure that we understand not only are they on a time constraint, but so are we to get that third party back on the road. Hey, thank you, Adam. A member of the 100% associate-owned company at jasperengines.com. To me, there's, there's just so many, so many gray areas here, and, and I think it's healthy that we in the aftermarket talk about this. Well, team, you know, federal, state, liability, insurance, gray answers, we're not sure. Noah, uh, Frank, Judy, are we talking about this so prematurely and someday it'll get crystallized and we'll know exactly what to do, when to do it? Or are we just going to have to buckle down, get counsel, and figure out what to do? If we sit back and wait, we may be the case that sets the rules, right? So I don't want to be the case that sets the rules because Nevada didn't take this into consideration or take that into consideration. Um, I think we need to be proactive. And anybody who's you know sitting around and not taking this real serious needs to be very, very, very careful. I think Frank's on the right path. I mean... The cold, hard truth here is simple, which is five years ago, I would have told you there's not an issue here. The courts are pro-employer on this topic. No problem. March on as usual. But in today's environment, no one really knows how the courts or for unionized settings, or if you have a mandatory ARB agreement, how arbitrators will decide the cases of wrongful termination, wrongful testing, refusal to hire. You really need to know what your business's unique risks and tolerances are for these substances and how you're going to handle it. You might decide that these are safety sensitive positions and you are going to have, you know, mm-hmm. none of it and you will face that legal risk when and if it comes or you may decide, you know, that you are going to comply with the you know, the spirit and letter of the law. But that is an issue that that really needs to be determined um, by the ownership, by by the upper level management and and doing that through through discussion with counsel so that you understand those risks. So you're not doing it blindly and just taking a hard line approach. 
you had said, we just need to do research. There is one thing that does protect us in Pennsylvania. It says it allows employers the right to prohibit an employee from performing any task under the influence of medical marijuana that the employer deems life-threatening to the employee or any of its other employee or of its other employees, or that could possibly result in a public health or safety risk. So if I if I um if someone drives a car, it becomes a two thousand to four thousand dollar bomb if they're high or they're impaired and not able to drive correctly and the wrong person steps off the curb on a test drive. And that that was the part that was the part that made a final decision that we need to look and really at this seriously closely and be sure that we didn't um, keep employing someone because they were good. And he was, he is good. <laughs> well, here, here's the problem with that. Okay. Okay. For me. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't knowingly want one of my people under the influence to do sure. X, Y, Z, A, B, C, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But okay. if we don't have a mechanism in place to know if they're under the influence, mm -hmm then we are at risk. So in other words, my policy won't pay a claim, but workers' comp specifically, if somebody gets hurt under the influence, mm -hmm. which means they'll be tested after the incident. I think that moving forward, I have an obligation to pre-test and know that, and that's why I mentioned about the random testing and having a mm -hmm. very specific, crystal clear, random testing policy in place, I think that's going to be critical moving forward for all of us uh, because it's kind of like I've got blinders on. It's okay. It's okay. What I don't know won't hurt me and kind of moving forward. And in this case, I think what we don't will hurt us. I think that'll open up the accident injury attorney down the road. is going to have a field day on us because we should have known. That seems to be a way to go later. Just real quick. I was put into a unique position because he told me, so I knew. In this case, you did, yeah. In this case, yes. So I knew. So it, it even added one more step to the toughness of some things is I knew. So if something happened, he could say, well, my employer knew. Arg. <laughs> right. And some may not even tell you. Well, some may not. Yes, that is correct. I'm fascinated by the complexity of the do-right rule here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking of it. it there's... there's I have zero tolerance in my business. I'm just speaking, you know, in generalities here. I have zero tolerance because my people drive customers' cars. And and if someone had an accident and they would test, um, be it, you know, breathalyzer for alcohol or however law enforcement is going to test on cannabis or recreational marijuana, there's, you know, I, I guess we sent them for a blood test right then and there. And we, and we find out. Why is there a difference if you can't drive a vehicle? Then we could have very we could have zero to, zero tolerance policies in, in our shops all over America. I think some of it has to deal, Carm, with you know what the law actually provides. I mean, even those businesses that are subject to federal contracts, where I think you have a, a stronger argument to do that testing, things like adherence to the Drug Free Workplace Act don't mean what many employers think it means. Mm -hmm. The Drug-Free Workplace Act, federal law requires that those employers subject to it have a zero tolerance policy and certify that their workplace is drug-free. You didn't hear me say 
mandates testing because it's not part of the law. And if you disagree with my interpretation, that's okay. Smarter and wiser people who are federal judges have come down with that exact decision. So you don't have to listen to me. You got to listen to the judges end of the day. What becomes relevant here and will be defensible over and over and over again is having a policy and being able to make the party line argument about safety, that having somebody use this substance in the workplace is a direct threat to themselves or to others. You clearly have a difference in somebody who is you know, just the front desk uh, counterperson who's not working on a vehicle, who's not working under lifts, than you do for somebody who is you know, using a, you know, a, a torch, uh, using grinders, right? Those people are using very dangerous equipment and are in very dangerous positions. It's, it's much easier to make that argument for those positions under those laws that, that allow uh, cannabis. Do you think law the laws will be amended to pick a certain types of businesses and say that uh, there there will be uh, drug testing a pre pre employment drug testing? You, you know, Nevada has New York City has uh, for their applicant testing laws. They they do allow certain positions to uh, certain types of positions to be tested for cannabis in advance, and then they prohibit it for others. I. What I think we're probably going to see, I mean, if I can forecast 10 years in the future, I think the bigger problem for employers is that we will probably see cannabis descheduled on the federal level, and then it will probably be treated on the federal level either as a controlled uh, substance like Vicodin is, or it'll be removed entirely, and then it'll just be an impairing substance, and it might be regulated like alcohol. You cannot test for alcohol pre-employment, generally speaking, if somebody is 21 or older. So it's going to be protected like that. But I think it remains to be seen. I thought Obama would have legalized it on his way out the door, but I was wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. Uh, But I would think that within 10 to 15 years, we we may see it descheduled in in that regard. So we need to be prepared. I have a friend that is a consultant for, he, he wanted to get be a dispensary in, in Pennsylvania, but he did not get the license. Um, and But he's a consultant and he's gone to a lot of seminars. And one of the things he said is that the other countries are so far ahead of the United States. Like in other words, say if I do a DUI, I'm, I, I drink alcohol. It's a blood level, it's a level test. But how do you, that's what they need to almost do with marijuana. But I will be honest, I don't understand enough about it. I don't know enough about it. And even the doctors that I spoke to didn't know enough about how long it stays in your body. It depends how you ingested it as to how long it stays in your body and that, and how long it takes to work through your system. And everybody's different. And, and in some ways, they're that way with alcohol as well, because it's what you're used to, what you can take in. But you always said that you have that blood alcohol level and that's what, and so it's almost like we're going to have to make some laws about that or do some research to make those laws though. Illinois has actually done that. We've set nanogram levels. Yeah, we've set nanogram levels for the THC in whole blood versus other uh, body fluids. Mm -hmm. Now, the important thing about that though is even with a BAC, 
for blood alcohol, it doesn't show impairment. It shows use. It shows Mm -hmm. that the substance is still in the body. Mm -hmm. And with BAC for alcohol, even, even cocaine, barbiturates, those substances are all out of your body within a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, marijuana, the THC is absorbed by your fatty cells. And, and I've said this before, but if you all think about trying to lose a little bit of weight and how hard it is to lose five pounds, well, if it's hard to lose those five pounds, it's hard to get the THC back out of the fat cells. Same, mm-hmm. same concept. Yeah. So your body holds on to the THC in the fatty cells and it can still show up in tests for 30 to 45 days after use. So these tests are not showing impairment on their own. They're showing use. And the laws that legalize use of cannabis aren't on the same par with impairment, which mm-hmm. means that employers really need to be prepared with, with identifying whether or not they have a reasonable suspicion as well. Is there something off about this employee today? Is there something that needs to be addressed to somebody else need to look at this person and say, you know, you know, our, our typically very good employee is going really slow today, uh, is dropping a lot of tools today. This takes a little bit of analysis to say, you know, Maybe this person is under the influence of cannabis, of alcohol, of something else. Maybe they're having allergies and they took, uh, you know, some allergy medicine. I mean, when I take Benadryl, I might as well just stay in bed. But there's nothing illegal about Benadryl, right? I'm not going to operate a car, though. That's that's something that, that needs to be fleshed out more um, because, again, these these tests, you know, show use, not impairment. But when you put those things together, you say, look, I've got this reasonable suspicion that this person is under the influence of something. I don't know what, but something. And now that I have a reasonable suspicion, I send this person for testing and they have you know, valid testing that's been reviewed by a medical review officer. And we have this subjective observation at work that's been properly documented followed by this objective metric of testing, you put it together and you say, look, you know, we think you're under the influence. We give this person an opportunity to explain. Doesn't mean that we're going to let them off the hook, but that gives us a, a much safer method and basis to terminate or otherwise discipline somebody without drawing those, those claims that Frank was hitting on. Interesting, everyone. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to solve this problem. I think uh, we, we need to have more of these kinds of open discussions uh, based on, I think, what the 11 or the 13 states, I can't remember the number, that currently have some form of legalized cannabis. Unanswered questions in the top of my mind, and I don't want to influence your final words, and you each have a couple of minutes to say something here. Responding to employees' inquiries about medical marijuana use in an interview, wow, what, what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> God bless you. I don't know what I would do in that case. Accommodating employee use of medical marijuana in the workplace, setting workplace policies for recreational marijuana use. You know, somebody goes out and has a, a beef on Kimmelwick roll and a beer at lunch and they come back, 
you know, they they go out out back and have a toke off of a, a mar- marijuana cigarette. I I think we have to be very worried in our industry about the fact that we are driving our customers' vehicles, and I think we have an, all kinds of risk. Uh, you know, before I, I say goodbye to everyone and give you a final couple of minutes, Noah, thanks for being here and bringing some legal ease here. You know, if if you will, trying to calm us down and give us a perspective from your, you know, even though Illinois is just coming on board with that, I, I think uh, I think your your perspective really helped us here today. So let me go around the room, Judy. Let me just give you one final minute to say something to our great industry. I, I'm used to you asking for the bottom line, so I wrote something now because I feel that this is kind of sums up how I feel about it. Um, the bottom line is I, I'm going to have to decide what's right for my business after getting as much information as I can. And that doesn't mean I'm going to hide in the corner. I'm going to talk to consultants. I'm going to talk to attorney, my attorney and et cetera. But I have to, I have to decide what liabilities I'm willing to take and accept and where I have to draw the line for the tolerance of this kind of thing. And it has, and then, and then the bottom line is that has to be my decision based on the law and other company policies. And then we just need to go from there until there's hard and fast rules. I'm just not sure that we I can do anything else. That's my stand on it. Not a bad stand, Judy. Thank you. Frank? Sure. Thank you. And um, as always, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Frank. Carm, Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, John Maxwell recently taught me that the biggest gap in our lives is the distance between what we know and what we do. So anybody who's watched this today, you now know and have heard things you haven't heard before. So now what are you going to do with the information? Don't sit on it. Do something. It's it's a gray area. And, and I think those of us who are in business, we grind our livings, right? This is, it's not easy. This is a tough market and it's a tough industry. So we have to do everything we can to protect ourselves, protect our other employees and protect our customers from uh, these kinds of problems. Thank you so much, Frank Scandura, Judy Zimmerman, Walter, and of course, the last word will go to Noah Frank. I'm honored. Uh, again, thank you for having me today, and I uh, really look forward to seeing where this all goes. But I think Judy and Frank have, have nailed down some really important things, which is know your operations and know your unique risks and risk tolerances. Once you have that, update your policies, update your procedures, and update your training to comply with the law and to meet your unique needs. Once you've done that, make sure that you have spoken to competent counsel that knows this area of law, specifically employment law, so that you're ready to go. I think this is a developing trend. And if you're in a state that doesn't have cannabis today, you might tomorrow. So you really need to be prepared for this now before it's too late. Tough to be in business today, isn't it, gang? Huh? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it again. Judy Zimmerman, Walter Zimmerman's Automotive Mechanicburg, Mechanicsburg, PA. Noah Frank Esquire from Smith Amundsen LLC, Chicago, and Frank Scandura from Frank's European, Las Vegas, Nevada, where I will be next week at Apex. See you next okay. week. Anybody in town, come visit. That's right. See you, gang. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.